0: My name is Jason Concepcion. And I'm Rosie Knight. And welcome to X-Ray Vision, the crooked media podcast where we dive deep into your favorite shows, movies, comics, and pop culture. And welcome to a special bonus episode. We're having a, a epic crossover with our good friends at Keep It to celebrate the Oscar run of the wonderful film, Everything, Everywhere, All at Woo! Once, sweeping category after Category. We're going to be discussing the film's awards. We'll be discussing our our feelings about the film. Uh, We're going to be re airing our interview with the uh, directing team, The Daniels, um, that we ran in a previous episode of X Ray Vision. And then you're going to hear our good friends from Keep It, Ira Madison, and Louis Vertel interview the legend herself. Academy Award winner Michelle Yeoh. One of the greatest living human beings of
1: all time currently
0: ever. walking the earth.
1: And if you want to jump around, check the show notes for timestamps. You're probably going to need them and go and watch the movie. Please
0: watch the movie. Okay, Everything Everywhere All at Once swept the Oscars over the weekend. They won seven Oscars, bum, bum, bum. including Best Picture, Best Director. Uh, best actress for Michelle Yeoh. Best original screenplay. Best actor in a supporting role for the <sighs> wonderful K. Quan. E. Oh. <sighs> Jamie Lee Curtis in an upset. Best, best actress in a supporting role. I I will support. I will I will talk about my feelings about best uh, editing. film editing. Yeah. For the very handsome Paul Rogers. One of my favorite speeches of the night. <laughs> I was like, I was oh. like, I was like, this is a man. For this- the very dashing Paul
1: Rogers. I was like, this
0: is a this is somebody I know. I'm like, this is
1: how I would give an Oscar speech. I would be awkward, hopefully look that good,
0: and just kind of be like, Well, I think I-, I
1: won this. Like this is
0: cool. <laughs> Producer Chris also also <laughs> uh, 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 appreciate when he walked on stage I was like well, well. ball hello Hi. um, okay uh, yeah
1: I mean this is out of they won 7 out of 11 nominations incredible. they won all the majors this is the third time ever in Oscar history that one film has won 3 acting uh, awards. The uh, One of the other ones was Network. I'm not actually sure what the first one was. Uh, Bad uh, research on my part. But it is the third time ever that that happened. And I think that is very cool. I mean, there's so many firsts here, but that's far less important than the fact that the movie is like fucking amazing. <sighs> I will never forget when we spoke to the Daniels, yeah. as you will hear later on this episode, we were talking to them. And we were just such huge fans of this movie. This is everything we love. It's multiverse. It's comic book action. It's completely original. It has Michelle fucking Young. Yeah, it's Hong K-Kong Kong style K-Kan. action.
0: Gay. Yeah. It's got butt plug jokes. It's like, an. It, it's a. It's a sincere and heartfelt story about an immigrant family. It's about, about generational trauma. It's, it's about queerness. Yeah. It's got James Hong, the living legend. Oh, like, the one living of our legend, James most Hong. Most favorite actors
1: and performers and people of all time. And we were just such huge fans and at the time it was starting to make a little bit of money at the box office it was doing well it was going to go out of limited release and into wide release i believe and the daniels were like so confused they were just like we thought we made another weird movie like swiss army man that no one would like and a farting corpse yeah (laughs) and, and we were like we were like well people like it and like what if it becomes kind of the biggest movie in the world and they were like that would be terrible. <laughs> Daniel <laughs> yeah. Shiner. I was like, that would be really like. This is already scary. So I'm, I'm feeling for them. Yeah. I think that they, this was, this has been such an incredible awards season to follow them. This story has been brilliant to see Key get this comeback story, Ugh. to see Michelle get her flowers, and also as well, I feel like their speeches were so good. Oh like, my, god,
0: Key's brought me to tears. Oh my god, I was
1: crying from the moment he weeping. won. I was crying, and it really was like there were only really intervals because Michelle got me. I love Daniel Kwan's speech where he was talking about this kind of unbelievable journey and how crazy it was to win an Oscar. But then he immediately was like, to my son, like, you will never have to live up to this. This is not normal. Like, he's breaking down generational trauma in the Oscar speech about the movie that's breaking down generational trauma. Like, it was... that's That came at this... I think it's maybe a bit over the top now, but Parasite was always my best Oscar experience Mm. where I watched the Oscars and and I felt like I couldn't believe that this movie I loved was winning when it won Best International Picture and Best Picture. was blowing my mind. This gave me that same elation. There was so much emotion here, so much. It was so moving. It was so great to see how so many people came together to celebrate this weird original movie that also brought back these kind of legends and put them in the spotlight.
0: Uh, Key's speech... About you know being a being a refugee and an immigrant Mm -hmm. and and finding this American dream was amazing. He thanked Jeff Cohen,
1: uh, Chunk from the
0: Goonies, Goonies, who it turns out is a uh, is a successful entertainment lawyer and Mm -hmm. helped him uh, seal this deal. You know, uh, thanking his mom. I will say he is such a better human being than me in the sense that you know he'd famously been out of the business acting wise for. Twenty years and mm-hmm. had worked behind the camera,
1: just casually like working with Wong Kar Wai, but had to because the, he had to
0: because there was no roles. The roles uh, dried up, and you know when he's like calling out Steven Spielberg, who gave him his, you know, they kept mm-hmm. cutting to Steven, who, who of course you know famously gave him his his break in Temple Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I, if it was me, I would have been petty and been like, "There's Steven Spielberg who gave him my break, and then of course never hired me for any of the indie sequels." <laughs> You know it was it was like I can't, I the it was wonderful to see how generous and positive mm-hmm. he was because I would have been He's like in a room with here the Hollywood gatekeeper. Here, here I am in this room of people who here's the reason why I didn't work for 20 mm-hmm, years because mm-hmm. none of them hired me and they're all like yeah, <laughs> God, okay. So it was really amazing, and then he's like, incredibly generous. Generous is the right g- one. Wonderfully generous, and then you know what a triumph for Michelle Yeoh, who is truly one of the greatest who has ever done it. Yeah, ever, a, ever, a ever, legend ever, 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 in ever. a million different ways. A pioneer in Hong Kong cinema. One of our great actresses. Physicality, the ability to convey emotion, just everything. She's also, like if you great. think
1: about how there's a whole generation of people who just knew her from her drama work in Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Like, there's a generation of kids. Even my sister, I love this stuff. She has not know Michelle Yeoh from martial arts. She knows her from Crazy Rich Asians, yeah. you know? I saw a great interview with Sammo Hung, who kind of discovered, in inverted commas, uh, Michelle, and was, like, her first director. He's a martial arts legend. Uh, very dangerous man to work with. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, like, absolutely just, like, a genius. He gave a great quote where he basically just said, everything Michelle has, she did it herself. He's like there's no one else it's just her. She was uh she's never had any formal martial arts training. Unbelievable. She is just she Unbelievable. was a ballerina who got an injury who then went into acting and they were like let's see if we can make her an action star. Watch some of those old Hong Kong movies. Right now the Criterion Collection has a Michelle Yeoh collection and you can get a 2 week free trial. I'm not even being paid. Criterion Collection give me watch something that. free. They have all Yes madam heroic trio like all these great movies that you can enjoy and you can see why she is such a legend. I did a post an emotional post. I love Michelle Yeoh and I was really happy to see other people who felt the same way. This is someone who's a trailblazer, who's a legend, who has never really gotten her flowers from Os- from Hollywood, from the people even though, you know, she's the first Bond girl who really wasn't just a, just a, a love the, the, interest, yeah, sexual a interest of like she of was James Bond. the first badass, you right. know. It's I it's one of those things where you're like the Oscars It doesn't. You don't have to. The movie would have been amazing without the Oscars. This doesn't add to whether or not the movie was good. But it is nice to see that recognition, especially for someone like Key on that journey, who's such a generous, kind person, who's now going to have this incredible comeback career. And for Michelle, who should have been getting these, how did she not get nominated for *Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon*, a movie that got like so many nominations? That just blows my mind.
0: Uh, On the Jamie Lee Curtis, yes, I. I, I think there was a lot of love out there for Angela Bassett, of who, by the way, should have won for any number. Yeah, she's uh, good in what's everything. What's love got to do with it? Twenty
1: way, years plus ago,
0: absolutely should have should have won for that. I, I'm fine with Jamie Lee winning. I, I understand that for one, <laughs> she beat out Stephanie Zuz, who is like. I, I, I'm I'm sensitive to she should have won. I will say Jamie Lee for the, this happens in Oscars all the time where somebody wins for the history of mm-hmm. the things that they've done. And I think her resume is is really amazing. You know, Halloween remade the movie industry, yeah. redefined what a slasher could be. She's an important part of that lineage. And I also think, I haven't read anything about this, but it seems to me, it seems reasonable to me to assume that Jamie Lee signing on is probably a big reason why this movie got yeah, made. Yeah, and
1: I think that that transitioned. I I, I read all of those ballots, the, the anonymous yeah. ballots, and a lot of them are absolutely horrific. You should read the EW piece to be just disgusted by the fucked up shit people are saying <laughs> about Viola Davis. Like, the most awful stuff about the woman king and why it didn't get nominated. They're good because then you remember who's behind these awards. Yeah. But something I did see coming up again and again was this idea that it wasn't just that Jamie was champion of the film, but she never campaigned for herself. During the Oscars, she only campaigned for everyone else yeah. in the movie, in the collection of actors and directors and stuff. So I can totally understand how she ended up there. I would love to see Angela get her Oscar. I think it's time. I think Ramonda's a great role. I also think that arguably Stephanie is the lead in uh, I, I Everything Ever. I at think once, she's And the I lead. think it's kind of yeah. wild that she didn't win. But you know what? I'm also like a super slasher fan, so I'm I'm here for it all. I, I want to see Angela get that recognition because she is also another legend, like another basically like another trailblazer who's Absolutely. never really been recognized. So should have been, I, I would have loved to see that happen, but I love that Jamie got to win for this role where she's comedic and she is herself and she is weird and she's queer and there's all these different kind of layers to it. That to me was the biggest upset. So yeah, Stephanie, her time will come. Angela, her time should have been coming, but I'm sure that we will see it and Angela's work still stands and is still a queen and a winner in our books anyway.
0: Uh, up next... Let's revisit our discussion of Everything Everywhere All at Once and our interview with the Daniels when we saw the film for the first time last year. All right, we're stepping out of the airlock and into the mind bending world of an IRS building to discuss the 824 <laughs> sci fi action comedy masterpiece that is Everything Everywhere All at Once. It's opening wide today, this Friday, April 8th. And if you like the movies and you want to have a good time at the movies uh, that is action packed and really heartfelt and like uplifting too, like not violent Mm -hmm. in a way that's like, oh, this is like really entertaining, but I feel bad like watching 50 headshots in a row. (laughs) You will not feel that way. About this movie uh, has an incredible cast: Michelle Yeoh, the absolute uh, legend; Ki Hoo Kwan uh, as Wayman Wang, back in the game again in front of the camera; uh, Stephanie Su as Joy; uh, James Hong, the legend; James Hong, Jamie Lee Curtis, and more. Uh, really fun movie. We'll keep it. Well, are we, this is like a spoiler conversation. Okay, let's talk I think about it's
1: it. it's spoilery, but we're not going to go like full recap. We're yeah. just going to kind of talk about it.
2: So
0: I just loved. I loved this movie. You know, for everyone complaining that, like, there are t- this, too many comic book movies, everything is a Marvel movie or or a DC tie-in or something like that. I guess, you know, uh, people would still criticize this movie for, uh, you know, depending heavily on the multiverse for, uh, for its uh, plot uh, momentum. That said, it is just, like, so original in the way it yeah. deals with it. And the imagery it uses, it is so funny um, and then like to have, you know, an all Asian cast as your, you know, the, uh, as your kind of like the crux of the movie their feelings about each other, their kind of disappointments with each other, um, their miscommunications. It's three generations of a family. Um, it, it was just like felt really good to see. And then the, the crowd that I saw with, I saw it uh, here in L.A., it was clear that somebody Somebody worked on the movie in my theater because like people started <laughs> cheering when the credits rolled like randomly at a random place. So like I love uh, that. It was really, really, really great energy. What did you think of the movie?
1: Yeah, I mean I absolutely loved it. Like I went to go and see it with a big group of friends after we went to this amazing uh black kind of flea market called Black Market Flea. So it was just like a very good day. And that I saw it in LA too, and it was in a huge cinema. We couldn't go to the IMAX, but we saw it in the biggest screen we could see it that wasn't IMAX. And people were reacting like it was a Marvel movie. Like it was, (laughs) I couldn't have seen it with a better, like things were happening and people were like, yeah, yeah," (laughs) just like screaming. And I was just like, this is so incredible. Because on the surface, if you describe what this movie is in a sentence, it's like Michelle Yeoh is a kind of late middle-aged, woman who runs a laundromat and she's doing her taxes and Jamie Lee Curtis is her IRS lady and she's evil and it's kind of this like dreary middle age where she's thinking like, what could I have done with my life? And she's pulled into this crazy multiversal kind of war where she has to use every version of herself to gain the skills she needs to beat this mysterious bad guy, Joe Tabaki. And it sounds so outrageous, (laughs) but like, I watched that movie... And it felt like it was the most accessible thing in the world. I think it's that balance, like you talked about, this idea of this intergenerational uh, Asian storytelling, this cast just full of absolute legends. And it it is this bonkers movie where there's 50 versions of Michelle Yeoh, which, by the way, who didn't want that? That's like the dream movie. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also like this really intimate niche story about, like, intergenerational misunderstandings and cycles of, like, familial, emotional trauma. Yeah. And uh Ki Ha Kwan is just, like, so incredible. He's,
0: yeah, he's, like, I-, I kept thinking that it's, like, actually criminal that this actor could not find work for as long as he could not find work in front of the yep. camera. He is so engaging – He's just like has a lightness and a charm to him that is all the more impressive for the fact that he does some real like impressive and authentic like martial arts stunt yeah. work that is like and been high, doing high level work, stuff. But
1: this is like, th- that's the other thing about this movie, which is why I think so far the the screenings and and the, the, the limited release have been really successful. And I hope the wide releases too, because I feel like this... People say this stuff, but this is literally a movie that has something for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Feeling depressed, nihilistic, wishing the world would end, it's for you. Feeling like you wish everyone was kinder to each other, also for you. Feeling like you just want to see loads of cool action sequences that are completely outrageous and some of the best big screen Hollywood action that we've seen in years, also for you. Want to see an intergenerational family story? Also for you. Need more queer people on your screen? Also for you. Like, it's got everything, and... Yeah, I mean, those action sequences are just, the choreography is unreal. It's like Hong Kong cinema. It makes you feel like you're watching, you know, a Shaw Brothers movie late night on the TV, but you're getting to see it beautifully big screen in this really unbelievable sci-fi context. It does something
0: that really hits me on an emotional level, which is like, and I think the best stories do that, which is take some wild you know, sci-fi mm-hmm. slash fantasy-esque concept, a multiverse, right, of multiple realities existing side by side, but like links it to something that is like really human, which is like regret about the way your life turned out, yep. you know, who doesn't, who hasn't at a certain point in time been like, man, if I had done this, if mm-hmm. I had done that. I wanted all these things for myself when I was younger, earlier on. But then I made a bunch of decisions that were maybe foolhardy or not particularly thought out or I was thinking emotionally with my heart when I should have been thinking with my brain. And now uh, here I am in middle age and I'm doing a thing that I don't want to do. Yeah. That it doesn't fulfill me like emotionally And I am in a relationship that maybe is not the most fulfilling and I don't have a great relationship with my kids. And maybe I wish I had done a bunch of things different. And this movie just on top of or underneath rather being like this kind of rollicking sci-fi multiversal adventure. It's really a story about like how people can feel boxed in by the life that they Mm -hmm. have led and how – you know, a core uh, experience, existential experience of just being a person is, is wondering, man, what if I had done things differently? Yeah. And this movie lets the characters access um all these different lives that they could have led. You know, like when, when Evelyn manages to access the dimension in which she is a movie star, an international yeah. movie star. Which was her star. dream. Her dream, right? She... It comes to this place where she's like, "Man, I guess I shouldn't have run away with with my husband Waymond, who I loved at one point in time, but like, maybe that wasn't for the best. Maybe I should have chased my dream, and I could have I could have been a an a international movie star like that. I want to stay there. Maybe I want to stay there, uh, and that just felt like universal to me. Yeah, that's a universal dream, a universal fantasy that people have."
1: There's something like incredibly honest and vulnerable about it too where it's yeah. like admitting that there's maybe something you want that's more and then kind of the realizations of of what that really means like the bit that really like I just I mean there's so many good bits in that world like we were talking about this but like Waymond in that world when she accidentally bumps into yeah. him it's very much his one car why in
3: yeah. the mood
1: for love kind of moment and and Key is so brilliant, and you just think like, why isn't? aren't these the roles he's been getting anyway? But in that world, the first thing Evelyn asks is, you know, where's Joy? Where's my daughter? Yeah. But she doesn't exist in that world. And it's those little moments where it's just like, ah. Like, these are the things, the pieces that come together, the the butterfly effect, you know, chaos yeah. theory. It's the little things that could change everything. And something else I love in the terms of that in this movie that I love in every movie is one of my favorite things in any movie from any era is like the way that they show technology and they have so much fun with this kind of retro futuristic technology. I love that. It's so great. And the visuals are fun. And also like, I love the way that they literally do the chaos theory, butterfly effect thing where like you'll see the one decision and then you get to see this kind of mapped out how everything changed. And I'm just like, well, it's like it's a really cool visual, but it's really deep. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's really on the, scary. On the
0: one hand, that kind of like retro future hardware, like the the different kind of like verse jumping hardware that Waymond and the Alpha Verse yeah. wears to like and his crew wear to like keep track of what's going on. On the one hand, like uh, I, I remember thinking it's great design, but also like it must have been great because like this is cheaper than like CG or making it yeah. look cool. But the other thing I was thinking. Did you ever watch The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai? Of course. It felt like that. It felt like a super weird, like, retro future take on a sci-fi movie that felt like, um, alongside all the different references, the Jackie Chan references, the Shaw Brothers references, the the Wong Kar Wai references that are Mm -hmm. in this movie, it also felt like it was pulling on that. What I think is actually like a super weird, not that good, kind of bad sci-fi yeah, yeah, movie yeah. from the 80s, but that is so unique in the way it looks. And that's what it reminded me of, the Buckaroo Banzai.
1: There's like so many unbelievable kind of like draw things here. Like there's this uh, old South Korean movie from like 2003 called Save the Green Planet. And there's like something to that of the way his head looks. And there's like definitely those old 80s sci-fi, kind of the... uh almost like the serialized like Flash Gordon costumes that you just pull on and you have to build, you know? The Rob Liefeld many pockets. Like, there's a lot of pockets (laughs) in those universes. And, like, there's something so tangible. And I am a big proponent. I'm always the person who's like,
0: I wish this was
1: practical, you know? On the South by Southwest episode, I was like, if I could change one thing about the MCU, I'm like, fuck it, I'll just make it all practical. practical, I'd love to see what it would look like. But they do they utilize practical and the effects in this movie in a way that feels very tangible and touchable and stylized, but also really slick. Like, it doesn't feel... that There's something very special about that balance in this movie that I think also comes from the nature of doing, like, so many in-camera stunts and so many unbelievable kind of... You have to have that balance of, like, what can we you how can we use vfx here to elevate what we're doing while still making it feel real and being able to to feel those punches and i mean the wayman fight scene that where he oh, utilizes
0: man. his fanny pack that's going to go wushu, down in cinema history pack. it absolutely is going to be you know i always r- rate i always rate a movie, an action movie, in part by. Uh, am I going to rewatch this scene at one yep. a.m. on YouTube randomly because it's like a random Wednesday night and I want to take a break from work? And and the answer is a hundred percent yes. I'm going to watch that. Yeah. I'm going to watch that fanny pack scene. I'm going to watch the Evelyn fight scene with Deirdre. Mm-hmm. I'm going to. There's going to be a bunch of stuff that I watch in this. Um, And I again, I can't stress enough like how frenetic. And mm-hmm. energetic the action scenes are. The the Daniels yeah. came up through music video and like there's a level of ADD-ness. Mm-hmm. It feels
1: very much like it's looking into our ADHD brains.
0: A hundred percent. Like their their most famous music video is the DJ Snake Little John classic "Turn Down for What." So the action scenes are, are in a lot of ways like very reminiscent of mm-hmm. that. With like you know like. Uh, people being thrown through floors and yeah. like uh, so much action and comedy on the screen at the same time and incredible camera moves. Uh, Just a like really, really, really funny and original film in that way.
1: Yeah. And I think just shout out, I believe they're called Martial Club. They're a group of YouTubers who create like martial arts kind of stump pieces in their own houses and that's who the Daniels found and brought on to kind of collaborate with them just unbelievable stuff when you watch it you sort of you can't really believe it it definitely is that rewatchable factor like afterwards I was like yes this is like it's like the scene in the raid where they get halfway yeah. up the building and Iko Uwes starts doing silla and uses his knife and takes out like 10 people in the corridor it's the corridor scene from Old Boy. it's The John Wick, the first time that he shows his gun-fu in the house when he's being invaded. The scenes where you're just like, oh, have you seen this? And you don't necessarily have to show the whole movie, but this film is like absolutely full of them. But also it's like this really sweet... I mean, there's a whole segment of this movie that is just two rocks. Not going to say anymore, but it's part of the most powerful part of the movie.
0: Yeah, it is like really, really heartfelt. And to your point... With the rock scene, there are – for all the people who are like, oh, man, like where's – I'm worried about the state of movies today with uh, Mm -hmm. economics being so kind of warped by the success of the Marvel movies. Here is a movie that does everything you want like a summer blockbuster to do but also has like that indie movie heart and audacious – super weird choices that are like there is so much weird stuff like the two the rock yeah. the rock scene where you're just like, man i can't believe that worked and it and it really works it lands so hard
1: yeah and i think as well like we've talked a lot about the icons but like nobody was writing a script like this for michelle yo you know she said yeah. this is the script where she read it and she was like this is the movie that can see all the different things I can be. I can be funny. I can be serious. I can be badass. I can be sad. I can, you know, and we know, like we've said, Key, he hadn't been in a major Hollywood movie for like 20 years. This was his first audition, I think, that Daniel said for for 20 years. And then obviously James Hong, who's like an icon and has over 600 credits and is just absolutely one of my favorite actors of all time. But he gets to have this really dynamic, complex hilarious, action-packed character arc, again, that nobody is really writing for him. Like, probably his biggest role in a movie like this since, like, Big Trouble in Little China, where you're getting this really layered, like, character piece. And it's just, that's, like, miraculous to see, and that's not even shouting out, like, Jamie Lee Curtis, who just plays everything (laughs) so straight. Like, you can't believe the the things she does in this movie and the sincerity with which she does them. Like, in my dream dreams, like this movie sweeps every Oscar and every award season next year, and Michelle Yeoh is a hundred percent there. For, just one
0: of our greatest living yeah, talents. Yeah, like she Absolutely. should be getting
1: a Best Actress Oscar, and Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm like, put her up for Best Supporting Baby because she Stephanie Sue as well. But like, this cast is just unreal.
0: Let me ask you, what was your Michelle Yeoh entry point? What was your what was your original <laughs> oh, what was your original drug? Your talking drug to, for, you're talking to you're talking getting language. into the Michelle Yeoh uh, version. I, mine is like super. It's the obvious one. Uh, super Cop, um, Police oh. Story Three, Super Cop, in which she plays like a, a police detective who then has to link up with Jackie Chan's character to take down um, uh, drug dealers in Malaysia. And it contains some of the craziest stunts. Michelle Yeoh jumps a dirt bike onto a moving train mm-hmm. in this movie. Like. Just fucking insane. And then, uh, you know, later on I would watch all the rest, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, yes Madam. I was going to say, like,
1: mine is definitely Yes Madam. Yes like, Madam. That, cla- I, absolute I love,
0: classic Hong Kong movie oh, with I Sam love, Hung. It's, it's and so bonkers. Cynthia Rothrock, Sue York. Yeah. Iconic. It's like, it's so
1: bonkers to think, like. Michelle actually did a really incredible interview recently uh, with my friend Gretchen Smale at Bustle, which is just so wonderful and adds a lot of really complex layers to to the movie. Where she talks about how she retired from acting and Hong Kong cinema at the age of twenty eight with plans to start a family. So she'd already done all of that by the time she was twenty eight. She'd had a whole career, yes, madam. You know, Super Cop, like these unbelievable iconic movies, just. Just put Yes Madam into YouTube uh, y- and yes, watch Madam some is, of the scenes must be seen. with yeah. Cynthia Rothrock and Michelle Yeoh. I mean, as a kid who grew up watching, like, kung fu movies, that movie was like a revelation.
0: It must then, be seen.
1: And then she came back and she has this second wave of, like, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah. You know, these... I mean, so, uh, Yes Madam was, like, 1985. 85. <laughs> that's <laughs> you know, what like I'm saying. That's... Like, just unbelievable stuff and... It's just she's been so iconic on so many levels, and I think for a lot of us, she has been like a staple yeah. of all kinds of cinema. Whether it was like Hong Kong cinema, whether it was the whether whether it was wushu actually coming to Hollywood for the first time with Crouching Tiger, you know, it's it's astonishing the impact she's had, and I feel like this is a celebration of that, but also probably just marks like the third wave of her career, where she'll just become even more powerful.
0: Uh, well, let's talk with the uh, the creators of this movie, the writer, director, duo knows the Daniels, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert.
4: Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite lux home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated. So, don't believe the dupes. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times, okay? you go going on Oprah, you get in a car, and you're getting some Barefoot Dreams. Dressing head-to-toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort, as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. So, for Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series, from shows like Kid Nation, CBS's weird Lord of the Flies-style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town. It was also pretty boring, by the way. To The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and made to compete in a beauty pageant. Amazing to watch, by the way. On each episode of Wonder's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently, The Big Flop looked at the Swan, a competition for women who were hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem? The women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then they were ranked by a panel of judges. And that's just after Truman Capote was done with them. Unsurprisingly, it led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Follow the big flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus.
3: horrors that we face every single day. Happy Women's History Month to all. Check out what's in stock at com slash store for this month only.
0: Welcome to the Hive Mind, where we explore a topic in more detail with the help of expert guests and say we are thrilled to have Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert known collectively as the Daniels writer directors of everything everywhere all at once gentlemen love the movie how um, how did it how did this come together how did this film come together and I just like I kept thinking how what does the script look like because this is so like uh, the level of like, absurdist, randomness action is so off the charts that I was like, man, how do you even write this down? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
5: thank you. Yeah, we, um, by the way, thank you for having us. Very excited to talk about the yeah. movie. Um, well, I'll start there. The the random acts to use as an engine for traveling to other universes, that's, mm-hmm. that is kind of one of the initial ideas. Um, we, we both grew up on Douglas Adams and Hitchhiker's mm-hmm. Guide and Vonnegut and just that sort of absurdist sci-fi that clear- that's <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
5: great um but there, there's such a um irreverent quality to their sci-fi that is still very yeah. much grounded in science and like there's still something like a like a kernel of truth in it all and and you know that idea came the idea of, of using improbable actions to um build up momentum a, a probabilistic momentum or, and to, to slingshot yourself into other universes kind of was like a really silly initial idea that i pitched to shiner and i was like I, is there something here could we do something kind of like uh, like like douglas adams meets the matrix um, and i was like no
2: <laughs> 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 no
6: i said i think I, I i thought it sounded like an exciting short film like which we have a long list of kind of like gags you know that interest Mm -hmm. us and so we would brainstorm it but uh it didn't kind of take shape until we had uh sat with it for a while and started kind of thinking about um the multiverse and how the multiverse makes us feel and why would we make a whole movie about you know that sci-fi premise i i really love to uh lean into the premise and not just uh
5: um, brush over it like some... Like, that's a mm-hmm. pet peeve of mine, I guess, sometimes. Um, it's like a convenient device for the story, but you don't actually get to really sit in the philosophical and existential like consequences of, of the mm-hmm. premise.
6: Yeah. So uh, it, was, it wasn't until we decided that we were going to go to too many universes until it was existentially terrifying, and that it was <laughs> going to be a Chinese-American family, uh, and that the kind of immigrant experience and also just generational divide would become, like the kind of relatable companion that we'd be using the multiverse to play with that then we were like oh there's enough for a feature film here you know (laughs) there's enough for three Uh, feature films yeah (laughs) 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 yeah and we're like and all it'll take is four years of miracles and then uh, we'll put it out in theaters uh and somehow that happened
2: yeah
1: that's so incredible. I mean, the movie was just so wonderful. It was like immediately in my favorite movies of all time. It's just oh like, God. I can't wait to go and see it again. I'm just, it's everything <laughs> that I love. It was so, it's so wonderful. But you said something there that I just think is so interesting and I'd love to dig into a bit more. What is it about the multiverse that spoke to you? What is it about exploring that mm. and that being the idea that was worth exploring? Because like you said, a lot of times it's a a buzzword it's a, it's a conventional narrative device but what was it about the multiverse and the idea of multiple different universes kind of existing alongside each other that that made this story click
5: mm-hmm. yeah one of the fascinating things about the multiverse or just the idea of infinity is that it's it's very um, interdisciplinary you know obviously there's like quantum mechanics and quantum physics has its version of it which you know talks about you know uh, superpositions and and you know whether or not the wave function collapses um, and you know parallel universes. That's kind of I think that's what most people think of when they think. Or another of way of putting it
6: that I like to put it is like like there are a lot of scientists who believe there might actually be an infinite number of universes. That's a pretty scary yeah. thing, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. physics wise. And then
5: and then and then like you know when we were doing research for this movie, we found that the one of the first known instances of the word multiverse being used in the English language actually had nothing to do with science. It was actually a a theologist who was basically um, lamenting the fact that um, how confusing everything was. He was like, (laughs) from a moral perspective, I know that God is the one and only moral center of the universe, right? There's a a universe. But when I look around me and I see, you know, the the heathens and whatever, it's like there's a moral multiverse, the the, the, uh, secular Mm -hmm. world doesn't doesn't necessarily have one clean narrative and uh so he used the word multiverse from a moral standpoint i'm like oh that's fascinating you know and then linguistics has its own linguistics um has modal realism which is kind of taking the idea of like um when you are swapping out any word in the sentence, how it drastically changes the reality of that sentence and basically, like, posits like, what happens if each one of those uh, sentences is its own reality that, that has its own um, integrity or whatever. And so we're kind of looking at it, it's like, I oh mean, there's so many different angles into this this um, this concept that no one else is tackling, you know, like, yeah. for the most part, mm-hmm. the multiverse is, is kind of used as a way to... Um, Combine IP in an interesting way, you know.
2: Yeah,
5: yeah, It's a cultural fracking. We call it. You, you're digging in deep <laughs> into the past of culture. We, we didn't coin that. We yeah. found it online, yeah. and we yeah. we're like,
6: "Ooh, we like that word."
5: Cultural fracking, yeah. and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I, I think yeah, you know, there is. I love. No, I love Super <laughs> Smash Brothers. You know, Super Smash Brothers yeah. is, is like incredible. I remember being like, I can have Pikachu and DK at the same time. Yeah. How incredible! Mm-hmm um but we wanted to dig you into you just her. like dk because your initials I mean, exactly oh. i love it but, <laughs> but pikachu is my main pikachu with the uh with the wizard hat that's my yeah, main. i'm a kirby um <laughs> But so for our movie, we're like, oh, it, it, the multiverse becomes a metaphor for the Internet and what it feels like to be alive with the Internet. It also becomes a metaphor for um, the way that uh, we all have these like uh, bubbles and we all kind of exist in our own versions of our own movies. You know, we, we believe we're the main character of our own movie. And what happens when those uh, two movies collide and they don't mesh? And so the whole mm. film is characters who are living in their own stories, not realizing that they're talking past each other. Um, and mm. And so there's so many different ways you can kind of use this premise to explore really real feelings and really real experiences. And, uh, you know, I feel like our movie is just barely beginning to tap into that.
0: The cast is unbelievable. Uh Jamie Lee Curtis, Michelle Yeoh, the legend (laughs) Michelle Yeoh, Um, which, uh, you know, not – enough can possibly be said about her. Um, James Hong, uh, icon, absolute like Titan legend. legend. And then, Mm -hmm. and then Kay Hu Kwan, who probably most people remember from uh, uh, temple of doom, which is a a, a Indian Jones movie that is aged poorly and the Goonies. (laughs) But like, man, seeing him in this movie, I'm just like, why has he not been one of our like top 20, most compelling actors over the last 20 years when you like when you went to the movie Uh star universe and he's in the suit i'm like am i in a won car film like what is i didn't even know he had this in him talk about that this incredible cast that i also one more thing i thought about a lot last night (laughs) is just like how this is the best action movie ever Uh that is primarily set in an irs office like that is a wild (laughs) choice yeah talk to us about this cast
6: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, uh, it started with Michelle and we knew we wanted her and we were worried that if she said no, there was no one else, uh, (laughs) like that the movie just wouldn't happen. Um, and then luckily she believed in it. Turns out she was more right for the role than we even knew, you know, um, and she really responded to the script and then that made it so much easier to attract exciting Mm. people, you know, and, and to get the movie (laughs) greenlit, um,
5: but even with with key, you know, there was no, there was no um, question that like. There was something special about him, and he even when he read the script, he knew like right away. He's like, "This role was made for me." You know, he, he, mm-hmm. he told us that. He told us that um, after we cast him, how how the moment he read it, he was like, "I think I need to come back into acting, and this is going to be my first role, and how exciting is that going to be?" And so he his his audition was the first audition he had done in like a couple decades um, in the Wow! US.
2: Holy yeah. cow!
5: Um, yeah, so he hasn't been. He, he kind of retired from acting and went behind
6: the camera, went to film mm-hmm. school, did stunt coordination. And first he was a first AD for Wong Kar yeah. for a while.
5: Yeah,
0: uh, 2046. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
6: Yeah. Um,
5: and uh, the, the funny thing about Key, you know, because you're just talking about how we've been missing out on him for so long. It is, it is just kind of tragic that this kid that um, Spielberg found and yeah. Spielberg and his team found – out of like you know thousands of other kids, uh, they 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 auditioned and auditioned forever, and they almost gave up on the character. They almost wrote the character out of the movie, um, and then they find Key like out of all these kids, and he has this special like um, X factor. It's it, it's yeah. a lame, lame way to put it, but he has something special mm-hmm. that that you can't uh, put a number on. You can't you can't like. Um, yeah there, there's no way to to evaluate it in that um in any other way except for when you watch him you just want to smile and when you mm-hmm. watch him you just, you, just yeah. want, you fall in love with him and we knew that Waymond, the character Wayman had to be that way because um anyone else um delivering lines about kindness or like you know please stop fighting yeah. everyone just let us get along you know anyone else delivering those kind of lines I think it would have gotten a lot of eye rolls but with with Ki Kwan, like, he can say those lines and you believe it and you and, yeah. you and you want to live in a world where that is true. And I think mm-hmm. um, there's, uh, yeah, we're so lucky that we got him in this movie and we're so lucky that I think our industry has him back. You know, I'm so excited yes. to see what he gets yeah. to do next. Mm-hmm.
1: For sure. And I would love to talk, like, he was definitely, I love him. I mean, I love Michelle Yeoh. I love James Hong. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. So this was like a movie <laughs> where everyone in it is just incredible. But Ki is someone who is so... Core to so many of our childhoods, but I never kind of saw how I—I I never saw where this his story was going in the movie, mm. and it was, um, it was just so powerful and wonderful. And you kind of touched on it a little bit of his his message of kindness. So, could you talk a little bit about that aspect—the the radical empathy and that mm. being kind of the the mainline message and kind of understanding overarching that comes out of the movie?
6: Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, At the start, as we kind of told you, it was just like we had this first jumping idea and and we were like, oh, what if we could do some stylized fight scenes? We love action movies and like Mm -hmm. to to do our version of The Matrix, but with like Stephen Chow craziness, you know, (laughs) was so exciting. Uh, And then, uh, as is usually the case when we're like making something funny we start to feel guilty about like uh but why why
2: why make this movie
6: what's it about are we going to just uh culturally frack some more people's time and yeah. uh and, and we started kind of thinking about how we're not uh violent guys and 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 also like uh, I can't, we're, I'm a pacifist in fact and so like yeah. there's this like subtext to action films which is um Violence is an is a good answer <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um and so we just we hit our heads against the wall on that a lot and and it became kind of the project of the movie, you know to be like can we can we explore that and lean into it and question it and and so this character took shape of like the dismissible beta male who is mm. not the alpha male action star and unless he's being taken over for moments by you know. The more appropriately actiony version of himself, but like uh, once we kind of unlocked that, we got it. It was like a real aha moment for the whole script to be like, "Oh, this movie's going to celebrate that sweet person and and mm-hmm. the fact that being kind is is a way of fighting. Like that's a way of changing the world. Uh, that's just as valuable, if not more so. In, uh, and I and mean,
5: we specifically wanted to be like. Let's make uh, someone kinding people to death. Um, <laughs> yeah. just, right.
1: that, that sequence says, is like, so great. Yeah, yeah. yeah and
6: that, that was buzz. that was the last puzzle piece. It was like, oh yeah. my god! At the end, if she just kind, kind, kinds people,
5: like <laughs> yeah. that's everyone's be... happy.
1: Everyone's happy. Exactly. Uh-huh.
5: But it's it's like, what if we made that just as satisfying as like Kill Bill, or just as satisfying um, as like a yeah. headshot from from John Wick? Because um, I think those things give us such a dopamine hit, which is why they're so fun. And uh, the way that they're shot and the way that, that, that it, the the editing works, it, it is candy. Um, and so we wanted to take all of our special skills that we have in our back pockets to give to deliver that dopamine hit, but like totally, in, you know, show it in a completely different radical way. Um, so yeah, we call that the empathy fight. It's a, it's very silly, but, um, it was really, yeah, it, that became like one of the North stars for the films. Like if we can pull that off, I think this is going to be a very special movie. So, yeah.
0: Uh, we really did. And I'd, I'd love to ask about some of these action scenes because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the, the wushu fanny pack fight, <sighs> <laughs> is one of the most, uh, truly like one of the most original fight scenes I've seen in a while. How did oh, all wow. of that stuff come together, and how hard was it to get it to get it on film? Yeah, yeah.
5: yeah we struggled with uh, finding the right collaborators for this. Um, we are such um, Hong Kong action cinema nuts. Like we grew yeah. up on that stuff, yeah. all the the Shaw Brothers stuff, and, and yeah. specifically Yoon Woo Ping's work. You know, he's worked mm-hmm. with all the greats. And um, this guy Jackie Chan mm-hmm. is like really good if you've <laughs> ever <Has been> done <laughs> anything that we've <laughs> <stuff. laughs> heard. Yeah. Um and and you know we really wanted to make a conscious effort to pull away from a lot of the modern action trends in the movies that we're watching yeah. and, and go back to the basics. Um, a because we love that stuff and it's in our bones, but B because it's actually um, if done right it can be just as it can be way cheaper to do, you know, cuz mm. you know those Hong Kong action films didn't yep. really have much money. Um, yes, and so and no, no money, yeah. exa- no money, basically yeah, yeah, yeah. no money, yeah. a lot of time. Um, and like, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a lot of injuries, but you know, we <laughs> realized like this is something that we could do well if we found the right people. And one day we were on YouTube and we were looking up um, martial arts um, videos just for references. And we found this short film from these guys called the martial club. And mm-hmm. we're like, are these guys, are these guys in the U S? Cause like, these people, are, these guys are amazing. Not only are they so like technically incredible, but their camera work is really smart, and they also infuse humor in mm. a lot of their fights, which like most, um, I think most modern action films um, try to do. But it's not really; it's usually with quippy dialogue and not with like, right. visual, visual, physical comedy, which is what we wanted to our movie to have. And so, um, we reached out to them. They're they're a bunch of friends from OC, and they just became um, instantly just like the 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 people that we wanted to work with because they they reminded the, us of ourselves the way that they are just a bunch of friends shooting stuff in their in their living room and then putting them online
2: mm-hmm. yeah
5: um, and that was the that was exactly the energy we needed for our film for for this movie yeah
6: yeah so it ended up being a a, a huge priority for us but like a successful collaboration between. Uh, us having strong opinions and kind of being like, let's make each fight different and and writing mm-hmm. writing in a way that each one could could be an ode to a different kind of style of filmmaking that we love. um and then the martial Club bringing their like
5: encyclopedic knowledge of uh all kung fu movies ever made. And then, <laughs>
2: it's
5: it's worth, it's worth noting that uh, none of them have or at least the two brothers, the two main choreographers, never mm. took any lessons. They I have a friend oh ma
6: who's like, uh, he's like more formally trained and but uh, but Andy and Brian are just like they just know what has been in movies they just watch they, movies and act it out they studied
5: the old Hong Kong movies and that's yeah. everything they know it's
6: brutal yeah so they so then they helped us pre-visit all and then we had our stunt coordinator Tim Ulick who we've worked with mm-hmm. a lot uh, uh, make it so we successfully hurt nobody yeah um, Yay, i love to hear it <laughs> yeah and, and, and so we were able to just kind of like move really fast. Michelle was very mm. surprised that we were able to uh, shoot it all in the time we had and not uh, do what's called spraying, With some people call spraying it down where you're just like, mm. uh, get three cameras. Uh, now do the fight that you guys rehearsed. Right. Uh, we'll figure it out in post. Move on. Yeah, you know? we, uh, um, we, we tried
5: we, really hard not to do that. We had the opportunity to sit down with quentin tarantino like years ago like six seven years ago um at the sundance institute at the sundance lab he was one of our advisors and we took the opportunity just like to pick his brain and be like what what was it like shooting kill bill's like fight sequences because those are some of like my favorite american action scenes i've ever yeah. seen and you know he said something that you know kind of feels obvious now but like at the time was really um interesting he, um he, he was talking about how hollywood usually sprays it down or they they, they kind of kind of try to cover it conventionally as if it was like a dialogue scene when really mm-hmm. shooting it like it's like it's a, it's a dance sequence like its own it's its own version of a narrative of a visual narrative and so he learned from Yun Wuping, Ping who was a consulting um, choreographer on yeah. Kill Bill um, that every single shot was um perfectly catered to the move that they were about to shoot. Mm -hmm. And then the next shot, so if like this punch to the face, let's get the perfect shot for, for that punch to the face. And then if the shot of him falling down has to kind of turn around 180 and break the 180 line and also force the entire crew to relight... we're going to do that so they shoot everything in order sequentially just finding the best shot for each moment Mm -hmm. um which is incredibly time consuming but also it's why those fight scenes are so beautifully done and Mm -hmm. so clear you know there's a narrative clarity to them and uh, so our
6: our ad and our cinematographer were like no way we can do that uh
1: (laughs) (laughs) sounds nice but yeah
6: and we but we tried to like take that Ethos to heart and find some mm-hmm. compromise somewhere in mm-hmm. there, and and not, um, and yeah, and try to really study that style.
5: Yeah, and and you can tell it, 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 our movie. I think the fight scenes are are I'm very proud of them because yeah. they feel so different. And uh, you know, after when when we go to see it in the theaters, uh, after every fight scene, there's like applause breaks, which is like, come yeah. on, that's how amazing yeah. is that? So yeah, fun. yeah, that's yeah. that's
1: what it's like when in my theater it was people were reacting to it just. It was, it was wonderful to be a part of cheering, you know, during the cool. fight scenes, especially the fanny pack fight scene. That was yeah. like a yeah. big, a big statement piece.
0: The butt plug prop work was incredible. <laughs>
1: incredible. <laughs> yeah. That was like being in the theater when like Captain America picked up Thor's <laughs> right. hammer. Like yeah.
2: everyone just <laughs>
1: lost their yeah. shit.
5: Good, good comparison. <laughs> no Exactly way. like that. That was yeah. what we were trying to go for. Right. right. Everyone exactly. was just
1: like, ah, oh my God. That was really great. So, like this kind of this, I I love this juxtaposition between you guys bringing this grassroots collaborative filmmaking, which is what you do, and then this being like the first A twenty four movie with like an IMAX release, and that kind of juxtaposition. But you also did that with the VFX, right? Because like I was reading your thread about how you didn't go to like a big post house. And you yeah. just hired your friends, so could you talk a little bit about that? Because the VFX in this movie and the way this movie looks is just astonishing. So could you talk oh, about like you. that decision and and why it was the right one? Because it obvious it's obvious to us, but why was it right for you guys?
6: Yeah, I mean the the script we wrote, people read it and they were like, um, "This is going to be like a eighty million dollar movie." <laughs> uh, we're like, "No, it's not. No, um,
1: we promise."
6: And then <laughs> we did in the rewriting process, try to like really lean into the, the tricks we were used to and the tools we were used to playing with. And, um, and so coming from music videos, like we, uh, we have very basic VFX knowledge ourselves. And we leaned on that really heavily so that we could do a lot of our own visual effects in our shorts and music videos. And so like, uh, the vast majority of the movie is done practically, or we're just using visual effects for very, to make things safe or uh, mm. production friendly, where it's like, oh, we can remove that light or that wire, but we're or not, like, there's sometimes. no like characters that are computer generated mm-hmm. you know or, or
5: sometimes some practical effects you know people people i think people have like this nostalgic hard-on for practical effects but in practicality it's it's, it's actually a pain in the ass you know it's like the, the setup time is uh, such a pain and like and every time
6: you break it you have to reset you know day. it takes like yeah. half an hour and it's never um,
5: quite perfect and so what we do is we take the imperfect um take uh, you know maybe we'll get two takes if we're lucky and then we we'll time's just one just yeah. one take and then we just like spruce it up in post because we know how to so like we Mm -hmm. get the best of both worlds so it doesn't feel fully cg because i think audiences are aware of it when when it's fully cg so we
6: put tons of dust on them when they hit each other because that's how like kung fu movies look and And then we added more dust in post because some of the (laughs) hits weren't as dusty as we wanted right but it but we're always kind of mixing the two uh but to kind of get to the end of the the headline We had, like, seven friends do over 500 visual effects. Wow. Like, and there was no post-house. And uh, we didn't even think when we started that we were going to be able to do all of it with our small team. Uh, But they kind of stepped their game up. And and we weren't sure they'd be able to do all the bagel or all the finale stuff. And uh, some of our friends were like, I want to learn some new stuff. And so they...
2: Oh. They did.
6: Yeah, so <laughs> okay. yeah, our friends His would be wife. watching
5: YouTube tutorials for this, you know, this movie that we didn't actually know was going to be playing in IMAX. Like that's, how that's, how do that I was new to us. Basically, but I think it was something that we, you know, honed in during our music video times. We did a music video for Tenacious D a long time ago, and. Mm-hmm. Um, we you know we had no time and uh very small budget so we just brought in our friends who were other directors and we all mm-hmm. got in my bedroom and we lined up all of our computers and we just it, it kind of felt like a land party you know
3: um, <laughs> everyone was just
5: we we're just passing after effects projects back and forth and mm. you know it was some of it was really frustrating because it was all new to us but then you know the the final shot of that of that tenacious d video is this really epic shot of of um the, the band floating in, you know, this cosmic, you know, tapestry. That's really beautiful. And what that final shot was, was basically, you know, Ben Brewer, one of the other directors created um, certain elements and then Zach Stoltz would create certain elements and Jeff Desson would create certain elements and then it all get funneled to me. And I would kind of create the, the final, you know, just because I'm so particular, um, just to save time on like all the back and forth and the notes, I would I would do the final pass and, and, and tie it all together. And uh, we, I was like, why, maybe we should just do this for this movie. And so for a lot of the bagel shots, it was this very collaborative exploration um, mm. where um, they would keep sending me elements or I'd ask for certain things and then I'd try to stick it together in, in, into like something that felt stupid and cosmic and beautiful at the same time. <laughs> Um, and then I would pass it over to Ethan, who has like a really good eye for like very um, old school um, techniques. Like he, he, you know, he, he was the kid in school because uh, we all went to Emerson College. Yep. Uh, he was the kid in school who. It's the
0: first place I dropped acid.
5: Nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Connected.
5: Um, but he was doing, like, uh, optical printing, like, um, uh-huh. pra- practically with, with, like, 16 millimeter back in, in college when everyone else was already moved on to digital or whatever. So, like, it, it was a really fun, weird, organic thing. And we um, are really proud of it. Like, all, all, all of it feels unique to this movie. It doesn't feel like we're trying to compete with the big blockbusters. It, it has its own style and its own handmade ethos to it. And during COVID, we were all just, like... uh we were
6: going, we were, everyone was working more hours than we expected. Um, but uh, we were just giving money to our friends. So it's a pretty cool way to That's go. That's amazing. The, budget. Yeah. 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 We like, the
1: dream. Well,
6: and, and we weren't going that far over budget. I was like, I guess we'll just send some money. <laughs> yeah, to our friends, you know, it, was, it, uh, was it became scary. like a valuable job for, you know, all of them to be like, great, let's just let's just chug away. and Especially do some because facts.
5: all of these directors weren't booking jobs because there was, yeah. there was mm-hmm. nothing to do. So yeah. it ended up being a really beautiful, like weird, <laughs> perfect project for all of us.
0: You mentioned the the four year journey to get this on the screen um, and the the numerous miracles that were necessary to make it mm-hmm. happen. Um was there ever a moment where you're like fuck we're just not going to make we're not going to make this movie Uh a couple what of times? The lowest lows Dan
5: I think the I mean the biggest one was like we haven't talked, we haven't spoken too much about this but you know when we set out to make this movie Asian American films hadn't been like a proven like viable mm-hmm. business um like <laughs> model I guess for lack of a better word so we actually we had a hard time figuring out the casting of it all and um, at one point you know we had Aquafina attached and that was going to give us our green light because you know she is one of the few yeah. Asian American actresses or actors in our our whole industry that could probably green light something and uh, when some scheduling conflicts came up like the whole thing almost fell apart which was really Uh, It was really scary, but also just really frustrating. It's kind of it's like because we're
6: also like there's a there are a lot of talented people out there, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like a good movie, guys, yeah. um, Um,
5: And and so that 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 was probably my lowest low. um, Just just realizing how as independent filmmakers, how tied we are to the value, the imaginary value of, of, right. of, of these actors. Um, and it's, it's, it's none of them is, it's their fault. It's just the way that the machine works and the way that the yeah. ag- agents kind of talk to each other and, and um, try to, um, you know, like, we, we're, we're always in like this bad position as indef- independent filmmakers where we have very little leverage you know and, and it's very yeah. it's, so that that it's a very um, disempowering experience to try to yeah get your money funded we're, we're right now we're, we're executive producing another movie um and we're in that problem right now and you know even as executive producers we don't know what to do sometimes it's like this the, the whole the whole conundrum of casting, a-list actors for small indie movies is, is right. it's like it's a really great uh, model because then you know these movies get to be seen by people um but then it's also really frustrating because it's so fragile the whole thing can just mm. fall apart any moment and I, I mourn all the movies that uh basically died um uh, close to the finish line you know because of casting problems which i i i know so many of my friends have, have gone through that problem process yeah do you have a low point? No, it was fun. It was the whole thing was fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it,
0: was just, yeah it was just a blasted. Yeah, I, uh, to finish.
6: Yeah, we finished it last summer, and so we've been waiting until theaters were open because we like
0: mm-hmm. everyone
6: really believed it was mm-hmm. worth seeing in theaters. Um, but uh, you know, so the, the last few surges of COVID were pretty demoralizing. I was like it's never, it's never coming yeah. out. It's never. I don't know. <laughs> and yeah.
1: what's it like after kind of those that, that journey you know the highs and the lows and everything what's it like for the movie to come out and to, it hasn't even gone wide yet but what's it been like to come out and see this story that I'm sure many people told you was like not universal enough or was too niche or, and to have right. like every single person who see it go, oh my God, this is so relatable. I love this movie. Like, what has it been like to get to see it on screen and see all the work that you and your friends put in and see this story be received by so many different kinds of people as something mm-hmm. that really means something to them?
6: Confusing. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't believe it. <laughs> like- I genuinely don't. Like, I still, like, will, like someone will be like, oh, it's got this score on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like... I haven't internalized that. I don't yeah. think I believe you. Yeah. I don't think I believe well, you. Because
5: all, so much of our work is built off the premise of like, um, no one's going to let us make this. Like, like that's, right. that's such a driving force behind our process. It's like
6: the things we want to see out there that aren't getting made are the things that interest us. But then we know we're, we're biting off something unlikely or that mm-hmm. might be niche, but that'll mean something to the people like us. And uh, so
5: we we thought this would reach a uh, you know a bigger audience than Sorry Man obviously but even still like we knew that there would this movie would be too much for people like the, we made this movie mm-hmm. specifically knowing that we would push some people away um, because we would just you know it's it's such a loud long overstuffed wild chaotic thing um, which is very intentional and you know every decision we made we're like okay if we keep the butt plugs in. Much, like what, <laughs> what percentage of our audience yeah. do we lose and how much do you know it's, it's, it's but also much, how much stronger are the themes <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah hot dog fingers what was the percentages on that one it's like.
5: exactly uh, it's like, and we're like okay but if we keep the hot dog fingers and how beautiful and romantic can we make that how mm-hmm. how cathartic mm-hmm. can that be um, so again we can just win a couple more people and so it, it, the whole thing is a very calculated affair
6: but our math was off yeah <laughs> This is too much.
5: Yeah, I, I don't believe it. I, I, I do hope that with the wide release, things start to like you know even out a little bit. People
6: or this will like, be a funny soundbite after the movie flops. Exactly. <laughs> oh no, that won't happen. Exactly. The, yeah. oh. the dot com bubble of a movie.
1: It will be a funnier soundbite when it becomes like the biggest movie of all time, and then you two are just like crying. Like, why do people oh,
5: like it? It really <laughs> is that. It's like. The um, imposter syndrome me, in me is just uh, is fully on fire right now. I'm like, this is a, it's a horrible feeling, but also, so on, on on the grand scale, it's a horrible horrible feeling. Oh and then wow! On on, okay? on the individual <laughs> level, yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> okay. um, but on the individual level, when we get chance to talk to people after Q&As or have uh, people DM us these very personal stories, it is just the most fulfilling, beautiful experience. Like, the, the fact that we can work so hard on something that is very personal and very, like, specific to us and to have so many different kinds of people from different walks of life just see themselves in it and, like, you know, we've been doing screenings and Q&As almost every, it <laughs> feels like almost every night for the past three weeks. Yeah, And, you know... I would say at, at least half of them, if not more, um, someone will come up to us and start crying on one of our shoulders. And it's oh, just wow. this this very strange thing where we have created a space for people to fully express themselves. You know, now that... You know, because the movie kind of just destroys logic, destroys any conventions, and just really just leaves you in this place of, like, possibility, or at least that's, that's our yeah. intention. Um, and some people take that as an invitation to fully um, express themselves to us. And, and it it is just, um, <laughs> it is humbling. Uh, it, it's a humbling reminder of the fact that like our films matter. And I think a lot of people have forgotten that, you know, I, I, I even forgotten that like, I don't, I don't uh, until like, you know, three weeks ago when the movie came out, I I I was starting to lose faith in the idea that movies can change people's lives. You know, Like I've forgotten that. I've forgotten that that's what happened to me. Like I forgot that movies changed my life, and that's why my, I became a filmmaker. And so to have this response remind me of the power of what we're doing is like really humbling, and also just putting it puts a fire under my ass because like I'm realizing shit. The next thing I do, like I can't I can't go easy. This is this is so important. It's too important for me to to. Um, get lazy i in fact there's so much more work to be done in the world and you know if this is the only tool i have mm-hmm. um to save the world i'm going to use it you know <laughs> and how how thrilling how exciting and so like you know when our next movie comes out and it saves the world right. um, you can think, <laughs> heard this heard will be here. a great soundbite <laughs> exactly exactly. Yeah. exactly bigger butt plugs <laughs> yeah. slash when dan starts a cult. When I started a cult, exactly, <laughs> right. yeah. The
1: bagel cult. It's, it's no,
5: but, but part of part of the um the uh, credit will go to all the wonderful people who have reached out to mm-hmm. us and reminded us of the fact that stories matter. That or the blame matter. Exactly. Or the blame. Yeah, or when the blame. when the when the movie backfires and does the opposite somehow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite. So, yeah, it ends the world. Yeah, maybe that's actually what our next movie should be—just a about, suicide
6: cult of a movie.
5: No, it's it's about two directors trying to make a movie to save the world. Uh-huh. and Accidentally, they uh, you know, end the world. Uh, end the world.
2: That sounds right. good. All yeah. right, good you guys want to scoop
0: scoop us on our, <laughs> <laughs> our, our, our next sort of cradly? I guess this cradly. Well, yeah. congratulations on really an, uh just a really super mind melty, heartfelt movie. That it was a blast to watch uh congratulations you. on it coming you. out congratulations on the accolades y'all deserve <laughs> it uh here's hoping it's the biggest hit uh in the world very soon <laughs> and we just we, we loved it so thanks yeah, for we taking loved the time it. thank you so much for coming and talking
5: thank us. you so much nice to meet y'all this was such a great conversation thank you guys thank you. Thank, you
0: thank you so much for taking the time bye y'all bye up next ira and lewis interview the iconic the legendary michelle yo
7: And enjoy your edible. <laughs> Legal disclaimer: Paid for by Vote Save America. VoteSaveAmerica dot Not authorized by any candidate or candidates' committee.
2: The
1: Crooked Store's latest collection has a clear message for anyone trying to take away abortion rights. Don't. The No Trespassing collection features four different designs, each inspired by a different state where abortion is under attack.
4: For an all-new episode of Keep It, I'm Ira Madison III. I'm Lewis Fertel. This week's uh-huh. episode is about vibes, okay? And if there is any movie out right now that more encapsulates vibes um, than anything, it is everything, everywhere, all at once.
8: Uh, yes, and we are very lucky to have the legendary and... Uh, to say delightful is a complete understatement. I was sitting in this interview just overjoyed with her. Michelle Yeoh is with us,
4: the Bond girl.
8: I was gonna say, you know what, Bond woman. I, I I feel like she rarely comes up in like a list of like the best Bond girls ever, and it's like, I mean, who is more formidable than Michelle Yeoh?
4: I know. I feel like because she was part of that era that took the Bond girl to like Bond woman. You know, that was when we started to have the conversation: should we be calling them Bond girls?
8: As long as you call them. That's my RuPaul. Anyway, just cut that
4: out. <laughs> we're not cutting that joke, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I want people to hear it. I want Danielle Perez to hear it and say, okay, oh, good. you know what? He's not as good as me. <laughs>
8: <laughs> but Michelle Yeoh is clearly better than, like, what other bo- Like, Maud Adams, Barbara Bach. Come on. Michelle Yeoh is top tier. Anyway.
4: Yeah. I mean,. Michelle Yeoh, Halle Berry, uh, I always Eva Green. Yeah, I always forget that um, Grace Jones, I guess, wasn't a Bond girl. She was like a villain. Correct. Yeah. Yes,
8: and and she got to stare angrily and have trapezoidal facial features all over that movie.
4: Yeah. Um. But getting back to everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh. Which, by the way, I fucking loved, and it's wild that it's from. Two directors who um, they're collectively known as the Daniels, um, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, um, who got their start directing music videos. Um, as I feel most um, genre bending um, movies that feel like a cult movie from the moment you watch it, uh, I feel like those directors always come from like music videos, like a Spike Jones. You know, yeah, David Fincher. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, they did. Um, DJ Snake's "Turn Down for What,"
8: which, uh, if you have ever heard that song even once, it's still resonating in
4: your skull. So, <laughs> um, and a couple Foster the People, um, songs that aren't, um, pumped up kicks. So you probably never heard them before.
8: I was going to say they are not ringing a
4: bell, uh, so. but um, you know, their last film um, was their debut uh, Swiss Army Man which I still have not seen
8: uh, I have friends who are stands. Uh it doesn't seem like my sort of thing but that doesn't mean it's
4: not good I just remember hearing farting corpse and uh, I was like you know what it's not for me
8: right some things just aren't for us also uh, I'm
4: weirdly not a Daniel Radcliffe Dan to the point where I need to see everything that he's in even though I do appreciate him you know as a um elder statesman
8: oh yeah no uh I I would even just say a grown up yeah like when you ask him for a quote and he's like here comes uh uh, someone with a head on their shoulders Uh, Appreciate it enough if you just provide that we love it
4: do you want to talk about what happened at the Oscars Daniel Radcliffe absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) He's like,
8: I'm 5'2", and I got to get out
4: of here. <laughs> uh, no, but the thing about um this film is that it's one of those films that I feel like, you know, like the Matrix. You know, like when it comes out, like everyone is talking about it and everyone is sort of telling you to go and see it. I, I truly have not had a film, um, at least within the past few years, maybe thanks to the pandemic. um, But even right before the pandemic, where people are texting me asking if I've seen it, or friends are like, hey, do you want to go see this movie? Uh, You know, it feels like everyone has it on their radar.
8: Yeah, well, I would actually compare it to, this does not seem intuitive, Hereditary, Mm. in that it is putting together... Genres that seemingly don't belong together, Mm -hmm. namely like in Hereditary's case, you get like very visceral horror and then you get uh, uh, a family drama like uh, Rabbit Hole or something. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this movie, you get a very sensitive, observed family situation, a queer story, and that's looped together with this sort of comic book thing. This uh, I don't think I'm giving much away by saying a multiverse thing. And uh, so there's it's one of those something for everyone type movies. Yeah,
4: I mean, A24 sort of does that well, you know, in addition, yeah. in addition yeah, to I being... Yeah, I guess that's what they do. Yeah, In addition <laughs> yeah. to being um, an urban outfitters, uh, they are also <laughs> uh, very good at sort of genre films that are multiple genres. All right, when we are back, um, we sit down with the icon, Michelle Yeoh to discuss everything, everywhere, all at once, and all of her other classic films. I mean, she's been in so many. I think our guest today truly needs no introduction. She is a legend, um, the star of the action-packed, hilarious, (laughs) so much going on film that I can't wait to talk with her about everything, everywhere, all at once, the Michelle Yeoh. Thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Very happy to be here, Ira and Uh, Louis.
4: I first want to say this movie is... Amazing, uh, and you are amazing in it, uh, and it is so exciting to see you, um, in a role like this. And I want to ask you, um, before this interview, I revisited, um, yes, madam. Uh, oh wow! <laughs> and what's so interesting about that is that you immediately have this amazing screen presence you are so funny in that film and you were just sort of like really command the screen with your um skill at like martial arts and you just sort of like really commandeer that film and i want to know um were you always um a funny person. Like I know you started out in pageants, uh, but like you're you're so you're, you're so funny. in and, and yes, madam, you're so great at martial arts. It's like, where did this all come from?
3: Oh my God! Definitely not from a pageant, right? <laughs> <laughs> they don't see that. I'm doing the. Wha, 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 You're the original, original. M-
4: miscongediality. Okay, you were.
3: <laughs> Personality probably right. The one that goes like, "Good friend, okay, bye bye." <laughs> no, um. When I first started, there was nothing funny. I never saw myself. My producers never really saw me as funny. They were very focused on, it's true, the movie that I was in, Yes Madam, is one of my first action films. Mm-hmm. In fact, the first movie I was in is an action comedy movie. But the comedy and the action were all done by Samuel Hong and the legendary Sam Hong and George Lam, the amazing singer actor. Uh, and when I was watching them, I'm thinking like, I can do this, you know, because this it very much is all choreography. It's all about precision and timing. it's like dance. it's like the world of ballet and dance that I've been involved in for the last blah 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 of my life. So when I was so grateful when the producers are well, okay, you know she's a little bit crazy, she must be crazy she wants <laughs> to even try because that world of martial arts and is physical. I mean, if you ask the Jackie Chan and the Jet Li and the Master Yuan Mo Ping and the Sammo Hung, there was nothing funny. It looked funny. Mm-hmm. There was physical comedy. But the stunts and the, the action that they did was very physical and dangerous. Because at that time, remember in the heydays of the amazing times of Hong Kong cinema, where that was where I started. We didn't have CGI. We didn't have the budgets to have cables. We have these like scrawny little thin wires that held the whole body weight and you were like whizzing around in the air. And when it snapped, you literally, the stun guys just fall from wherever they are. So at that point, when I actually turned around and say I would like to try this, they looked at me like I was insane. I mean, <laughs> But then you know she studied abroad. Maybe that's just screwed with her head. But yeah, you know, quiet. That's okay. So they yes, madam, I was surrounded by comedians like the John Sham, the Choi Huck. They were like the high-powered comedy actors. I mean, they walked into the set and people laughed. So I was tasked with, okay, now I have to convince the audience that I belong here. I deserve to have a place next to the guys doing this martial arts. So I trained very hard. And it was, it was not not an easy task because they, have been, they paid their dues to be where they are. They, it didn't come on a silver platter for them. So to join the boys club, which it was a boys club, You know, they will tell you because they did it in that way in the in the mindset. We protect our women. We don't let them get hurt. And they and except, you know, Jackie says that I were like, no, bro, don't go there. (laughs) And, you know, because we have to learn to protect ourselves. And if you keep doing that, then we will never grow to be who we are right which is which is prevalent all the time so that was the beginning of my days my start of uh, doing martial arts i was well protected i was well loved i was well taught and well protected in the sense that when you do a stunt when you do the action sequences you must learn to respect each other you know you have to have the stamina you have to have the precision if i say i punch you in here, I'm not gonna punch you here, right? Mm-hmm. And the only way to do that is if you are in training and that you are, you have the capabilities, and not just say like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, there is discipline, there is hard work, and there is like, you you sweat blood. And that's how it is. So, but I loved it. I loved the physical uh, aspect of it. I loved the challenge of it. I love to be part of the boys gang and go like yeah let's go out and have fun man you know you get to do things that you would never get i would never do in real life i don't believe in violence
8: (laughs) um I was so pleased to see this clip of you that's going around viral. I believe you're talking to GQ and you talk about how... Oh, when my you...
3: God. <laughs> oh, that's such a
8: beautiful you... interview. Yeah. Uh, uh, right after you oh, say you no. love hanging with the boys, I bring up a moment in which you cry. This is not to be <laughs> cruel. <laughs> oh,
3: my God. I'm never going to live this down, <laughs> Oh
8: But something I loved about that clip was you talk about how even just reading the script, all of these kind of genres are apparent. Like there's comedy in it, there's tragedy, there's martial arts, et cetera. What's crazy to me is I cannot picture this as a script. So much is going on on screen that I can't picture that translated to the page. So how much of what you see in this movie are you surprised to see? Because I can't picture it all just existing in the
3: script. I'm not, it's all in the script. Wow. Mm. If you see a a picture of my script because how I work is like I tag every scene that I'm in and on the side normally you know when you have a script you, I would tag it on the side so I look at the script and I know okay I am in like 30 of the whatever pages or whatever I'm in 50 or something like this so that's my process and if it's an action movie it has like okay this is a dramatic scene it will be tagged in yellow it is an action scene it will be tagged in red by the time I finished tagging my script, I first started off with, you know, the big stickers. Mm-hmm. And I found out, okay, I'm not going to have enough space for this. Because <laughs> in one page, there are 10 multi <laughs> verses going on. So I went on to the, the really itsy-bitsy, skinny ones. And by the time I finished, one day I'm going to post that on my Instagram and you guys will see what <laughs> I mean. My script was tagged all the way around with all the colors of the rainbow because it's each universe get their own color. And by the end, I was like, what the hell am I dealing with? It was, (laughs) I am in every single scene, every single team. There was like, just no, like, okay, I can take the next few days off and wander around and see what's going to happen. It was like, no, but it was written like that. The Daniels did not stray. They had a, this was like their Bible. And remember, we are an independent film. We're like, yes, we're an independent film on steroids, and probably a lot of I don't know what they were feeding us. <laughs> but the fact was, it we had eight weeks, but thirty-seven shooting days. And you cannot go and do this with all the crazy things happening, you know. By saying, ah, oh, well, let's see what happens today. No, 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 no. They, they, they. Their team, Larkin, our DP, uh, you know, the stunt coordinator, Tim, you know, with the, the set designer, the Jason, the, everyone, they all, they've been together, they work together. And Paul, our editor, I mean, I met his wife, and he says, you've been living with us for two years. And I'm like, oh, dear, I don't know what to say to that. But <laughs> they know each other so well, so they know they're editing as they're like they, the, the martial arts sequences. It's not by accident. They know how to pull back when they want you to see and then give you the most intense close-ups, right? right? This is not by accident. This is understanding their craft, understanding the different techniques that they can put into this. When we don't have the money to do special effects, to do the confetti, blah, blah, blah. They have confetti coming out of the guy. So it is done with precision. It is done with like great thought. And so everything, I was, was I surprised to see something? You know what? Because there are so many multiverses going on, you, when you see it, you go, oh, oh, the link, you know, like the opera singer. It's like, okay, why am I suddenly an opera singer? You know, <laughs> he was blinded as a kid, but you only see, because when you read it, it is at different times of the shot. So you don't see it as a scene and only comes together right at the end when she needs that skill. And you see why, oh, she became blind because she fell on that and she blinded herself as a kid. So, but then the father taught her another skill, another gift that she had, which was her voice. And I'm like, what an opera singer got to do with a skill? Oh, because she can hold her breath. Ah. <sighs> so then, you know, all these like imagery that you shoot ties in and gives you that yes you are not surprised but the realization mm. of how it is tied together that's the beauty of that journey
4: mm-hmm. I mean well speaking of even that moment that Lewis brought up too you know um I love how you talk about how you know this was sort of like a script like a a, a role that you'd been waiting for and you were uh it was almost like a gift to you and um you've had such a Long career, um, th- with so many different roles. Um, what what would you say you felt like you have been missing, um, in your roles before this film came along, and sort of like what do you still feel like you want to do on screen, um, that people maybe haven't given you the opportunity to because you you know you you're Michelle Yeoh like you beat people up, you could fly through the sky, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
3: No, I think in this particular one, why, I, I think where I I, I know the GQ uh, interview you are talking about, it was suddenly that moment, you know, when you feel that the Daniels, they saw me. People, you know, you want people to see you and give you the opportunity to show you what I am capable of. And that's what they gave me. It was a very precious gift. And then not just them, they had the, the guts to write it. And then we had a twenty-four who believed that their guts were right, and Michelle Yeoh is crazy enough to want to do this, <laughs> and then to hold out for a cinema release. In these times, you know we've been we've had a, a real. It's been hard the last two years, and I think on on many different levels. for each person for families that disconnection. And finally to be able to, it was such a moment of everything, everything just coming together, like the stars aligned and you, you can't even begin to, to know who to thank, but somebody is like in the universe is looking after this little movie that we poured so much love into. The theater was packed.
4: I want to tell you, you know, like people are going out but that's how you seasons. have to
3: watch the movie right yeah you had a shared experience it's like going back to our primal days when our ancestors like were under the stars and there was storytelling around the campfire and things like this and for us this is our safe place You know, in the cinema where we we are with strangers, we are with people that we don't know, or we are with our family and people that we love. But the experience, the shared experience of joy, of pain, of laughter is so real that we, we feel it with each other. And I think this was what this movie has come out at an opportune time, that we can have that, what the? Mm, let's just wah, and waste <laughs> it and have a great time and you're right, you have to see it in the cinemas and not just once because I find that with the first time when you watch it the intellect kicks in the cerebral part kicks in and you go like okay, I'm going to know who and what and then after like 15 minutes you're like uh, that's become that's when you become like Evelyn Wong and that's when <laughs> you think of them the second time when you watch it you're not so like okay I am prepared to put on the safety belts, be in for this roller coaster ride and just go, ah! Because now you have an inkling, oh, they have to do crazy things or ridiculous things before they can multiverse jump, right? That's all you need to know. And then when they go to that universe, Evelyn Wong is going to learn a skill that she has never thought that she would possess. And she'll come back here and do all these like crazy things and fight for humanity and fight for the people that she loves. And the core of the story is that is the familial connections that we all find so relatable with.
8: Um, Speaking of skills, uh, you mentioned something in your interview magazine feature with Paul Giamatti where you talk about who, I mean, that's so rad that you talked to him for that. Um, But you mentioned how you mastered a calm, serene look for when you do martial arts. And in this movie, (laughs) you have to merge the martial arts with comedy, with you know, confusion since this character is perpetually confused for the movie. <laughs> and to me, that sounds almost like the hardest part, like having to mesh like a comic sensibility with like how hard the martial arts is. And I was wondering, like, how, did that take 500 takes to get right, to get all of that right lined up? Because you just said you had no time to make this movie either.
3: No, th- you remember, this is, and you don't have the luxury of so many takes, you know? You have to get it right. And I think because we, and all it takes is the Daniels. And this is what I say to them every day at the beginning. I'm going to be confused because you're going to be like multi-jumping me. I know the gist of it, but you have, you're like my, my, my anchors, right? You two are going to hold my hand and you're going to bring me back when I need to come back. And you, this is what you do. You are the directors. Remember that, right? You are very simply the directors. Don't play trick, mess with my head. (laughs) <laughs> it's already messed up enough. So when that happens, you know, when you jump into the universe, when I fight, I automatically, it's very, because that's what we've been trained to do all this time. Is like when you fight, you maintain, because you are the mentor, you are the teacher, you are the number one martial artist. So you don't like, you don't, you don't flinch. When a punch comes at you, you You learn to do it with the zen-like quality, right? So, and I'm fighting with Jamie, and she's the best. She's fun. She's, like, gung-ho. She's, like, willing to to do this. And then the Daniels come up to me, and she's like, "Uh, but Evelyn Wong doesn't know how to fight. (laughs) So, you know, when she gets the skill, her face is registering the confusion of why the hell are my hands doing these, like, incredible things and I have no control. You know, it's like the whole story when she's talking about Raka Kuni and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So like, someone you get into your head and then they make you do all these things and you don't realize what you're doing and everybody's like, what the hell are you talking about? So I have to register that what the frig is going on here? And then you say, wow, I could do all this. You know, from the change of expression, you are suddenly Evelyn Wong who have got this new skills and then able to do all these physical things. Yes, you learn to fracture your, your mind. You learn to like split it. And it's like body does this, face does this. And that is going to how it is work. So that was the great challenge. But that's why I signed up for the movie was the challenge of doing things that I had not done before.
4: I, I want to talk a bit about um, you've run the gamut on people you've worked with, you know? Like, you started out, you know, you said working with, like, you know, like, Sam Hung, you know, like, as, a, like, a director and also, like, doing stunts early on. And then you, I feel like you got to work with so many icons in, like, the um, yes. Hong Kong cinema world when you did um, Crouching Tiger. Um, what was that experience like, you know, working with Ang Lee and also... You Know just having him bring together so many people who done um films, you know, uh, Hong Kong like cinema for for years, um, now all sort of in one movie, um, being able to work together.
3: Working in with Ang Lee is like poetry in motion, you know, he is he the way he loves cinema, the way he loves the humanity and the storytelling. If you look at it, it's a very intimate movie. It's about literally three people, well, four, Jade Fox being the antagonist, right? It's about Li Mu Bai, Yuxi Lian that I play, and Zhang Zhi and her, her young lover. So it's about the, what is important and the martial arts world. And that was what Ang Lee was trying to do. He was trying to present to the world something that he knew as a child the martial arts world is not something that the west would know but when i first spoke with him he said to me i want to do sense and sensibility with martial arts mm. that was when i was i was doing the press for tomorrow never dies one of the most incredible movie that any actress would want to be part of and i waited two years i didn't do another movie mm. after that waiting for ang lee because we all believed in him. We all believed in his vision and we all wanted to make it happen. Shaoyan Fat, myself, Peter Powell, Bill Kong, we all came together to say We want the rest of the world to embrace our culture in that way. Um, It was one of the best, one of the most poignant, one of the most beautiful, but one of the most painful experiences because I tore my ACL after the first action sequence when I was, you know, around the the wall Mm -hmm. and I (laughs) run up the wall and down the wall and da-da-da-da-da. I think when you're on the wire off the wire on the wire off the wire your body gets so confused your mind is like where the hell is it going you know one time I jump and I'm soaring in the sky next time I jump I land thud and I'm like what happened to you how come I can't fly and it was on the last day of the shoot my it felt like someone clubbed my knee I fell to the ground and I was fighting with the stun double and I was going was like why did you kick me? And the poor guy was so horrified. He was like, I didn't touch you. did And I thought, <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You didn't. There was no way because we were both doing it at a distance. But upon Master Yuno Paying, who was our stunned choreographer's coordinator at that time, and Angie, who was the editor, they went frame by frame to understand how was that possible that, you know, a simple thing that, but that's always the, the case. The simplest motions are the ones that you get into trouble with. And in one of the shots, they saw that my leg, when I was doing the front jump kick, had just touched his leg, mm. which probably that split, second, which I really didn't even know or notice. right? And when I landed, it just wiped me out. And it was most also oh, painful, but beautiful because and could have changed to me because i had only done that action sequence. And action sequences with the artistry of Master Yun Waping, he could double it. You know, they could take all the shots and then make another person look like it was them who was fighting. And uh, they could have done that easily. But I will never forget when I was in, in in Johns Hopkins with the specialist who said, I can wrap your leg up, your knee up, because your, your, your ACL is gone it's not just like torn it's like if you 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 basically you can run you can jump you can do sudden stops you can walk gently and that's about it and you're like i'm doing a martial arts movie that's not possible right so ang and bill kong our producer at that time just turn around and say do what you need to do get them fixed you up and we will wait for you
8: mm. and thank they- god they did my god <laughs> oh, my god <laughs> um what a movie uh Yeah. Incredible. No, as far as I'm (laughs) concerned, there's also no second one of that movie. I just remember that was a movie that you came out and everybody I know had to see it. And it was like, wait, now I have to research every movie that's ever been like this in history. It was such an education for everybody. So you really ushered in something for a a lot of uh, film viewers. I said, I'm looking through your filmography. Truly, most of the things you have done of your career seem like the most time-consuming and bodily harmful <laughs> things ever. Like, there, there are a couple of movies here, like, you were in Last Christmas a couple of years ago or whatever. We're like, okay, she maybe that was only a couple of weeks. But I just want to remind you, movies don't have to be, like, the most stressful situation of your life. I just want to say that. And I was wondering, are you craving just kind of like, I don't know, a rom-com? Something that, like, you know, is just in an earthly, normal realm ever? <laughs>
3: Absolutely. Yeah. I would love to do that. You know, uh, yes, a, a resounding yes. But w- Does it mean that I have to choose one over the other? I hope not.
8: Good. Yeah.
3: Right. Cause you yeah. you know, I love the challenges of being, of doing things and it's nice. I would love to do a rom-com in a musical or something like that. It would be so fun and you're right. It doesn't always have to be physical and you know, that's, maybe a, a threat of being injured or things like that. And, and it would be so nice just to do something that's like intimate and fun and loving. Yes. And I'm, glad,
8: I'm glad to hear that because even looking at Crazy Rich Asians, I'm like, that's like the most gigantic production ever. Like even that movie, which could be, you know, just a, th- a quote unquote fun movie seems incredibly demanding based on how much time it must have taken to put I together. I mean,
4: the mahjong scene alone, you know? Oh, please. Like, like the, the choreography that I feel like had to go into that.
3: Uh, no, you know, it's the thought that goes behind. It's the respect that you give that culture. What is important to that culture? Mahjong is very important to the Chinese culture. And it's not just a game. There's much that goes on behind that game. It's like bridge. You know, it's like backgammon. It's like all these kind of things. Chess. W- why do you play? It's a battle of wits. And it's, you know, it's like very reminiscent a bit of uh, Memoirs of a Geisha. Mm-hmm. When I was negotiating with the um, mama-san about Sayuri and, you know, bringing her in. And we were just like tossing the, the teacups around, you know, like pushing to you and coming back to me. And it is a battle where there is no physical fighting, but the the, the the battle is there in how you handle the cards and things like that. And what are the innuendos of the dialogue? No, so in that, you know, it's, it's interesting because in this movie, I get to be funny I get to do physical comedy and everything everywhere all at once, like in Crazy Rich Asians. Everybody is having a wild time, and I get to play the most serious, like you know, scary part. <laughs> <laughs> I just go with them to the beach party, man! Come on.
4: <laughs> um, I would be interested to know, like, what kind of like films do you consume? You know, you're you're, you're known Definitely. for, you know. Um, you know, these martial art films that are, you know, the um, very involved um, and technical. But, like, when Michelle Yeoh is at home, like, what are you watching? Like, what interests you?
3: <laughs> Actually, I watch everything. I'm a, such a movie buff. I mean, I would go to the cinemas by myself, and I constantly do. Um, maybe one thing that would surprise you is like I love horror films. mm, mm. Ah, see, ta-da-da. I would go and watch a horror film by myself, wondering. If I sit close to the door, or sit right at the back where there's no one. I love. I love drama. I love mysteries. I love thrillers. Hmm. I, I just basically love the thrill of being in the cinema. I just love that experience because it's a way of escapism. I, you know, the magic of not having to just enjoying something a story i love musicals i love Mm -hmm. everything so i watch anything now i'm even watching you know baking shows it's like what the hell happened (laughs) to me
4: Well, I mean, like you're this an A24 film, and you've just now said you love horror films. So I feel like in two years we oh, will yeah. see you in some A24 <laughs> horror film where you're torturing your family I or don't something.
3: Know. <laughs> I am. I am a little bit. Uh, I don't want to dwell in the realm mm. of others. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love to watch them, but I don't want to be invited into their <laughs> realm. <laughs> <laughs> ah, we'll keep it on I the like screen. My-
8: <laughs> well, I just, I just want to say, your enthusiasm for all these different types of movies totally comes across in this movie, and like, only I think only somebody who has that that fervor and that zeal for movies could d- give a performance like you <laughs> gave. So I thank you so much for that.
3: Aw, oh, thank you,
4: thank you. Yeah, I mean, I just. No, lost- oh, but
3: it's true. I think with this movie, we all just literally. Looked at each other, yes, like with Key, with Jamie, with Stephanie and James Hong. And we we looked and and Harry Sham as well, right? We just looked at each other and go, like, yes, we are unapologetic with the silliness, the raunchiness, or whatever it is. And let's just have a great time. Let's believe in this. And we literally held hands and say, There's the big old, let's jump in. And we all grabbed the Daniels by the ears and like, ah! that was the only way you could do it it's like to be fearless right and in that way we empower each other we just go for it and we did we went for it
4: absolutely Mm um i guess lastly i just feel like you know you've done so much um are there (laughs) things are there things that like are there films that you, you you're known so much for you know like Crouching Tiger, you know, and like, um, now this film, um, like, you know, it's like genre bending films that are, you know, like introducing people to like a whole new way of seeing the cinema. Um, are, is there like a film that you've done in your career that you feel like, you know, sort of like you wish more, it, it had gotten more attention or something that you really look fondly back on. And you're like, I had, you know, I had a really great time making this film.
3: Right. Um. Yes. Yes. You know that when we set out to do a film, obviously you want the best for it to happen. And the best for a movie is like to get the best box office. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is show business. I mean, that's the reality of it. It's like you, we, we do it because we want people to be able to embrace it and say, yes, this is. And sometimes you do movies where maybe it's a little bit ahead of their time and people are like, oh, "Why? What, what, you know, maybe uh, like the heroic trio, I had the best time making that. One particular favorite of mine is Reign of Assassins that I did with Zhang mm-hmm. uh, Wu-sung mm-hmm. um, and Zhang Wu and damu was the director. Um, and I felt that there was so much heart in that film. And I, I really wished more people saw it. And another one is The Lady that uh, was directed by Luke Besson.
4: Besson. Yeah, yes. that's, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. such a, that's such a... It's. I feel like it's such an outlier as like a Luc Besson film uh, because it's so intimate. He,
3: because if you think about it, as artists, you have to explore, you have to do things out of your comfort zone. You can't just do Taxi Driver the whole time, right? I mean, Fifth Element the whole time. Yes, he could. I mean, and he's great at it. But then, you know, sometimes you have to do something that's so... But he did that with love and heart. That was a story that he really, really wanted to tell. And so did I. And that's how we came together to do The Lady, which was about the Burmese dissident do- Aung San Suu Kyi.
8: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fabulous performance, by the way.
4: Yeah, it's, hey. it's, it's, a, it's a gorgeous film. Um, I mean, and we, we could say that about so many things you've done. I mean, I just want to reiterate that, like, this movie um, is mind-blowing uh i i am definitely going to have to see it again uh and i you know i've just been everyone it's it's been a while since a film has like been released that i feel like i am constantly getting texts from friends being like do you want to go see this movie or have you seen this movie or they're like if you haven't seen it i'll see it again um it's i think it's just a really really um beautiful film
3: that is amazing because that is what we hope. We see, you know, what we need now is more conversations with between people. You know, like good, wonderful, shared ideas, and you know, like, uh, oh, did you see that part? Did you realize this? And you know, and not to be left out. What do you mean you didn't see it? You better go watch it before you can <laughs> join.
2: The <party> here, right? <laughs>
3: And that's so great. And that's what I love about, you know, yes, there's so many different reasons, the internet, the word of mouth. And it's so important because we have real conversations with each other, with family, with friends, and sometimes even with strangers, because we are having a shared experience. So this is, that's fantastic. I'm so glad to hear it.
4: Yeah. Uh, Well, thank you so much uh, for being here with us. I mean, it's truly an honor to talk to you today.
3: Nice talking to you guys.
4: Yes, thank you. Thank
3: you.
0: That's it for this special bonus episode of X-Ray Vision. Catch the next episode on Wednesday, March 15th for the Last of Us finale. And remember, we're bringing you two episodes a week. Not counting this week, we're bringing you three. That's two (laughs) episodes a week every Wednesday and Friday on your podcast platform of choice.
1: And if you want to see us as well as hear us, Subscribe on YouTube where you can see full episodes like this. Full bonus episodes. Let's go. How exciting. Plus follow us on XRV Pod on Twitter. Check out our Discord, which we love. We we hang out there all the yeah. time. Bunch of great people in there. And make sure to check out Keep It every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch the show on the Keep It YouTube channel.
0: X-Ray Vision is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin. The show is executive produced by myself and Sandy Gerard. Our editing and sound design is by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Delan Villanueva and Matt DeGroote provide video production support. And Alex Relaford handles social media. Thank you, Brian Vasquez, for our theme music. Bye!